Praise the Lord. Could we just pray before we get into the word tonight? Jesus, I want to hear what you have to say, God. I want to receive of your word and of your ministry tonight. I open my spirit, God. I pray your living word. Let it go forward today. Let us receive everything that you have for us, Lord. I pray as we join in unity today with every care cast aside, with the strength and rest that you give, let us hear and receive whatever you have to say to us today, Lord. We give you all the thanks, all the glory. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you would speak to us, God, that you would meet us here in this place tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm just going to talk a little bit tonight, and um, I have some scriptures I'll reference, but we'll see, we'll see where we go. Um, I was thinking back to how, how long I've known some of you all here, and people like the Sanchez and the Rodriguez and the Jimenez and a few others, the Walkers, have known me since I was, I think, five years old, so most of my life. And few have come when I was about 10 years old and over half my life. And so I've just been thinking about, about all the different walks of life we've come from and the different experiences we've had. And, and as, as many of you know, I've been raised in the church. Um, I'm about to be 23. So if you, if you do the math, um, it's, it's about 2,400 services in my lifetime, church services in my lifetime. You count two a week on average, and, and then with camps and conventions and conferences and Bible studies and um, the years of doing two services here for the past little over a year now, and then the three years we lived in Arkansas, we did two services on Sunday, and a short season of doing three services on Sunday, and so it's probably safe to say I've been in a little over 3,000 services, if, if you want to put it that way, or Bible studies, 3,000 different scenarios where the Word of God has been ministered and a message has been shared. And, and the reason I say that is because in that time, I have heard the Word of God spoken a lot of times. And the more you hear something, the more it sticks with you. Repetition, it, it sticks with you. And and that can be a good thing, but it can also, I feel, be a detriment at times if you get comfortable with, with the Word of God and you don't allow the Spirit of God to minister every time. Um, Elder has mentioned it before multiple times that when he begins and opens with a scripture that we all know, he says, now I know this is familiar to most of you, but, but listen with your spirit. And what he's saying is, I know you've heard this scripture before. I know that you know what it says, but I want you to listen with your spirit to where God can give you different understanding. He's wanting to minister to us in a, a different way than maybe we've heard it before. And lately, I have noticed that the way the Lord's been speaking to me has been about very simple things, you could say, things that, that I've heard hundreds of times maybe throughout my life and that, that I know, and, and when the Lord speaks to me about him, I, I may question, like, God, why, why are you talking to me about this? I've, I've heard this before. I know this. I, 
I know this scripture. I, I know this topic. Like, what are what are you talking with me about this for? Like, I'll, I'll listen, but what's the reasoning behind it? And what I begin to notice is that even some of these very simple thoughts, the Lord is wanting to bring understanding beyond just knowing something. Um, there's a difference between knowing and understanding. And I think the danger of, of being around something so often is you get comfortable and you don't allow the Lord to give you understanding or you don't seek the Lord to get further understanding. You're content with just, oh, I've heard this before. I'll wait until I hear a message I haven't heard before. And in Acts chapter 18, we have Aquila and Priscilla who it says that they, and you don't have to turn there, I'm just referencing this, but it says that they explain the word of God more perfectly. And so they're explaining it, something that has been heard before, possibly, but they're just giving a greater understanding beyond what was already known. And that's a place I want to be in. I want the Lord to be able to speak to me even about things that maybe I feel like I know or have known my whole life. I want him to be able to completely change my mind and my perspective on a scripture. Um, he'll never say something that contradicts his word. So if that starts to happen, then that's, that's not the Lord speaking to you, or you just have had a completely different perspective than what the scripture actually meant. Um, but... I want to receive what the Lord has for me. And I don't want to, and I'm just, I'm speaking for myself. If, if it applies to you, then you, you can receive it. But I don't want to be so prideful or so confident in my human understanding or my human knowledge or my experience that, that I feel I have it figured out and that I can just sit back and I can just let the word pass me by and, and not allow it to to get into my spirit. And what I, what I feel the Lord has been dealing with me about is, is such a, a simple topic, but I can confidently say that, that this one thing that I'm seeking to get in my life, that I'm seeking to establish in my life, that if we can establish this one thing, it can, and it not just can, it will dramatically change every aspect of our lives. Before we go a little farther, I just want to talk a little bit about the uh, pride that I mentioned, confidence in, in self and human understanding. Um, there's, we know pride in the sense of, of self-confidence or maybe arrogance or somebody who, who shows off, and that's, that's how we can hear pride, and that's what we think of, but pride can be a lot of different things. Pride is is very selfish. It's self-centered. It's it's all about me. That's that's what the the root of pride is. Is it's all about me. I want attention to self, and there can be pride that is false humility. That is trying to appear as though you aren't prideful, but in reality, you're still trying to receive attention to self. And there's. Um, I believe we actually have the book back there, The Nautical Hour. Is it still available to be bought? So if, if you want to buy it, you can buy it. Here's a little advertisement for it uh, by Brother Bailey. And in that book, he, he makes a reference to, um, to shame. 
And he says that shame is still rooted in self. And when I read that, it doesn't make sense because to me, I think of shame. Like that's that's not trying to draw attention to self at all. Shame is is you want you don't want people to see that you're trying to to hide yourself when you're ashamed. But but you can be prideful, and it just be you, not for anybody else around you. And the the way he said it in the in the book was that that the reason shame is still centered in self is because shame is when you don't live up to your own expectations for yourself and and that's not from god shame is not from god condemnation is not from god and that is centered in in self and and i want my attention to shift from self and i want it to shift to god and that has been the, the simple thought that has just continue to stir in my spirit is, Jesus, I want to look upon you. I, the way it came to me, and this is why last week, if you were here, I, I opened the service with Jesus at the center. I sang that song, and that's because that's when he started to talk to me about this, and that's the way he, he brought it to my spirit was, Jesus, I want you to be the center of my life. And you could word it that, you know, who, who sits on the throne in your life, but I want to word it, who is at the center of your life? Who does your life revolve around? Who do your actions and your words and your day-to-day -day conversation, as the word says, who does, who does that revolve around? Is it around you or is it around God? And we've heard Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. And in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. To me, that sounds like a life that revolves around God. In all of my ways, I want to acknowledge you. And, and I don't always know how to do that. This morning, I was, I was talking to the Lord about that because there's days on my job where it can be so easy to, to just go about the day and get caught up in the stress of work and the frustrations of work and I can, okay, I can start my day in prayer. I can start my day with the Lord, but then I enter into work mode and I go through work mode and, and then maybe I get off work. And it's like, all right, I'm going to unload everything that I've picked up throughout the day. And, but there's still this, this weight of this overwhelming weight that I don't know what to do with. And, uh, my sister and I were able to go to coffee on Wednesday and work from there for a couple hours. And, and I was just talking to her about different things that are going on right now. And, just the busyness of life, the schedule, and how I was beginning to feel a genuine sense of being overwhelmed. Um, and I feel like I balance things well. I try to plan things really well, but I was feeling just this weight in my spirit, almost an anxiety in my spirit. And, and I know that's not of God. And so I just, it made me stop and think for a second, why, why am I feeling this way? Where is my attention? Because if my attention is not focused on me and it's focused on God, then all these other things shouldn't be carrying this weight on me that they're feeling. And I think of the song, Turn Your Eyes on Jesus. And I, I thought about singing it, but I'm not going to. <laughs> but it says, turn your eyes on Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Could we close our eyes right now and just... 
weighed on him? Could you ask yourself that question? What is in the center of my life? What does my life revolve around? Am I acknowledging God in all of my ways? Am I trusting in him with my whole heart? Am I leaning on him and not on my own understanding? Jesus, I turn my eyes upon you. I look to you, Jesus. I fix my spirit and my eyes on you today, oh God. That you would be the center of my life. That everything I say and do would be acknowledged to you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we worship you, O oh God. We praise your holy name. We praise you, O oh God. Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. The scripture came to my mind in, in Genesis. I was thinking of the story of of Adam and Eve in the garden when they when they sinned. If we could actually put that up there, I believe it's Genesis chapter 3. Um, I can't remember what verse it starts on. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, let's start with verse, verse number 1. And it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. <laughs> I, I had this picture in mind of that you see a lot of times maybe in uh, Sunday school curriculum or in, in children's Bibles where you have the tree and then you have Eve by the tree and then you have a snake hanging from the tree and that's how it depicts. It has Eve reaching for, for an apple in the tree and that's how it depicts this story. But I noticed it, it never says that she was at the tree beforehand. It never says that she was right there by the tree when the serpent began to tempt her. But what I realized is Satan planted the thought in her mind, and then it says when she saw the tree that it was good for food. So what that tells me is, and maybe it was by the tree, maybe it wasn't, it doesn't say, but, but if, if she wasn't by the tree when the serpent began to talk to her, then that means she went out of her way to go look at this tree after the thought was planted. That she put herself in a situation to see this tree and to continue to allow the thought in her mind of, well, maybe I can't eat of it. He said I could. You know what? I'm just going to go look at it. Maybe she didn't have the intention to actually eat of it when she walked to it, but you know, maybe I'll, I'll just go look at it and see if what he said actually is true, if it, if it looks like it's good to eat. And as we just read in verse 6, she saw that the tree was good for food 
and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise. That sounds like she was thinking about herself. She saw that it was good for food. Well, that, that probably tastes good. I mean, I can eat of every other tree in this garden, but I haven't, I haven't tried that yet. You know, I wonder what, I wonder what that tastes like. I wonder what that would, would be like to try this fruit. I mean, it looks, it looks good. My eyes aren't deceiving me. It looks good, but maybe, maybe it actually is. I'll, I'll taste, I'll only take one bite. I won't, I won't eat the whole thing. I'll take one bite. And, and the other part is a tree desired to make one wise. That's something I think we all want. We want wisdom. And again, it was the deception of Satan to her saying, it looks good. It, it's good to eat. It'll make you wise. He was appealing to self. He was appealing to her flesh. But what she didn't consider was the detriment that it would have to their relationship with God. We know the scripture that says he was sent to seek and to save that which was lost. And we've heard it spoken before to restore the relationship with man that was lost in the garden. That's what God is desiring to restore. But it's hard to do that when our eyes are fixed on other things, when our eyes are focused on what is appealing and pleasing to ourself, to our desires. But what I believe is that, that if our eyes would be fixed on Jesus, if we would look to him as that song says, if we would look upon him that the things of this world and that everything around us, the deceptions of this life of sin and of the flesh, they would begin to fade away. And as I mentioned, the struggle of focusing on the Lord sometimes with my day-to-day -day work life, I just begin to pray this morning, Lord, I don't know how to keep my eyes fixed on you with all these things going on around me. I don't know how to keep my eyes fixed on you when my mind is overwhelmed with, with these different jobs I'm working on. And how do I stay focused on you? What does that look like? And, and I admitted that, Lord, I don't know how to do this on my own. And I need you to help me to stay focused on you. Help me to keep my eyes focused on you. Hebrews 12 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And what I believe is that obviously the Lord is an example to us. Jesus walked this earth as an example to us of how to live. And as Jesus did, we can endure some things when our attention is focused on the right thing. If we're looking at everything going on around us and we see the things going on in this world and the corruption and all the sin and all the wicked things going on in this world, it's easy to get worried. It's easy to fear. It's easy to be unstable. But when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, we can endure some crosses when our eyes are fixed on Jesus. We can put ourselves on a cross. And when we look at Jesus, because he was the example, and as it says, for the joy that was set before him, we can endure tribulation. We can endure weights and trials that will come because for the joy that is set before us when our eyes are fixed on him, we're pressing towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That is what we're focused on. That's what we're pressing on to. Our goal is relationship with him. And when our eyes are fixed on the goal, the things around us grow strangely dim. And we recognize that the sufferings of this present time, they're not worthy to be compared because we have a goal, we have a prize, we have a mind set on Jesus Christ. And that has been my prayer that, Lord, I would set my eyes on you.
It changes every decision that we make when our eyes are fixed on him because it's no longer making a decision for ourselves, but it's looking to him and it's recognizing, Lord, before I make this decision, before I act on this desire, how does it affect you, God? Would this divide me from you? Would this separate me from you? Would this hinder my walk and my calling with you, God? Lord, I pray that my life would be nothing and that you would be everything, Lord. That my eyes would be fixed on you and I wouldn't do anything that would cause a division in my relationship with you. God, I don't just want to reach to you when it's convenient or when I stumble. But God, when temptation would arise, that I would be looking to you. That I would recognize that you are more important than anything of this life, God. And that this life is temporal. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. So we press towards the mark today. We look to you as an example, oh God, pressing on to what you have us called to separating ourselves unto you, O Lord, denying our flesh, bringing our flesh into subjection, feeding our spirit through prayer and through the word to build that relationship with you, to know you, God. Lord, I know about you. I want to know you. Your depths are unsearchable, God. I never want to be content with where I am, but to continue to press on, to continue to draw nearer and closer to you every day. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. One more story I want to reference is in Matthew, when Jesus goes to the garden and takes his disciples with him and he tells them to wait, and then he takes Peter, James, and John further into the garden, and, and he says to stay here and watch with me. He says, watch with me, not wait, watch with me. He told the others to wait, but the three that he took deeper, he said, watch with me. And we know that Jesus goes into the garden, and he begins to pray, and, and then he comes back, and Peter, James, and John have fallen asleep. And he says, could you not watch with me for one hour? And he said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And what that tells me is they, they gave in to their flesh. Their flesh was weary. They were tired. They were weak. And Jesus said, could you not just, just watch one hour? And part of me believes that maybe the Lord was wanting to show them something in that time. He, he went into the garden and began to pray. Maybe he was wanting to example to them his prayer and the surrendering of his life, the denying of himself, but they weren't quite to that place yet because they, they fell asleep. And so he woke them up and then he went back to the garden and prayed again. And, and he came back and they were asleep a second time. But the second time struck me a little bit differently because it says he came and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy so he left them and went away again, and then he prayed the same prayer. And that stood out to me because Jesus came back to his disciples, and they were asleep, and he, he didn't wake them up the second time. And the thought came of, Lord, I don't want to have my attention in the wrong place to where you come to me, and you come to speak to me, and because I'm focused on my flesh, because I've been feeding my flesh, that I, that I miss a visitation from you. 
And I know that the Lord is, is always with us, that he, he never leaves us, never forsakes us. But, but there are times where the Lord asks us to just watch, just wait, just, just look upon me, just wait here with me a little longer for, for just an hour, just wait. But maybe we, we're tired and we grow weary and our eyes are looking in other directions. We think, well, you know, I've, I've been here 45 minutes and so I, I think that's a good amount of time, so I'm going to go about my day. But what if the Lord was said one hour? What if you were just 15 minutes away from the Lord coming and speaking to you? In Jesus' name, could we examine our hearts tonight and allow the Lord to examine our hearts? Lord, my flesh is weak. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. I pray the casting down of my desires, the casting down of my wants, of the things that are pleasing to me, of the things that feed my flesh that are temporal. And I pray a heart and eyes that are fixed on you, a heart and eyes that are able to wait to draw near to you, God, you have already given your life for me so I can give this to you. Lord, there's nothing I can do that is enough to be compared to what you've already done for me. So I look to you. I turn away from this world. I turn away from the desires of this life, Jesus, and I look to you. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'll close with just, just a summary of this. When you go about your day, I, I challenge you to, to look at everything through the lens of what God would, would ask of you, to, to seek the Lord in everything. As it said in Proverbs chapter 3, in all of your ways to acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. When you are faced with question and uncertainty and you don't know what to do, don't, don't keep Jesus just at, at a safe distance to where when those come, you can look over to him and ask him for direction. But, but when he's at the center of your life, when he is what you're pressing towards, you never have question of where to go or what to do because your eyes are stayed on him. And when you know that you're pursuing him, there's no doubt in your mind of, of if you're doing the right thing or not, because he's the goal. He's the prize. Relationship with him is the prize. And, and in this hour for the body that is going to grow as the harvest is happening, we need to have our eyes fixed on the right thing because when others come, they're going to see our lives and they're going to see the example we set. And if we're focused on self, then that's not how the church is going to grow. That's not how God's kingdom is going to grow. But he has to be the center of, of everything that we do. In Jesus' name. I'd like us to stand together, please, right now. Amen. There's a beckoning of the Lord to reprioritize. It's really what it is. It's a reprioritizing. And it is the conviction of His Spirit on our lives. The thought comes to me that I've never expressed to my knowledge before. 
he will either be a God of convenience or a God of control. Now, if he's a God of control, it's because we allow him to have control. You understand? He doesn't just take control of our lives. So we put him in a place in our life to where he's either a God of convenience or a God of control. When you're convenient, I call on you. Or no, you control my life. I submit and surrender control to you of my day of my actions, of my attitude. You have permission to change my plans because I want you to have control of my life. He knows you have to work if you have a job. He understands all, but I want you in control on my job. I, I, I trust and believe that you'll direct my conversations and my interactions. I, I, I trust you to do all of these things. And I seek to be sensitive to you and all these things. I have an awareness of your desire to lead my life. Why? Because my life revolves around you. You're the center. It's not even my life. It's your life. That's where he's trying to bring this up where it's not even my life my plans oh i got i got all this going i i feel like sometimes the lord says settle down martha you're awful busy you're awful busy martha busy 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 full calendar full schedule you're just busy oh but i'm serving the lord no, Martha, you're busy, and Mary has chosen the good part. What's Mary done? She is at the feet of Jesus. You mean I'm supposed to do nothing? Oh, that's not doing nothing. I'm at his feet until he tells me what to do. And then what I'm doing is his bidding. His will is being fulfilled through my life. I'd like to open the altars to you tonight. I'd like you to find a place to pray in response to the word of the Lord that we've heard.